There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. This is a series of programs where we discuss the critical skills and their application in the real world. My name is Charlie Jett, and we're coming to you from our studio in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm an internationally certified coach specializing in career management, skill development, positive intelligence, and career crises. Now, we have a terrific guest today. Miguel Cervantes is a highly successful stage performer. After performing in the lead role in the Chicago production of Hamilton, Miguel now has been cast in the same role in the New York production. After the COVID-19 hiatus of last year, Hamilton, New York will reopen at the Richard Rogers Theater on Broadway on September 14th. And I understand that performance is already sold out. So welcome Miguel to It's All About Skills. Hey, thanks for having me, Charlie. This is awesome. It's a pleasure to have you uh, with us. Uh, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to a career in the performing arts? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, I, I grew up in in Dallas, Texas. Uh, um, you know, regular regular kind of life. Uh, and somewhere along there, my teachers and mom and dad realized that I was sort of uh, the the kid that was jumping up in front of the in front of the uh, the class all the time, uh, maybe getting in trouble a little too much for running my mouth and, and uh, always wanting to, to, to be sort of the spotlight. And so we channeled that energy from uh, sports, uh, which was I was very, very athletic kid um, or involved in a lot of athletics uh, into theater. And that's sort of where it started as a, as a 12 year old kid in sixth grade I found I didn't know what theater was didn't I not knew what it was, but it was it wasn't part of my life. It wasn't part of a, my family's life. We didn't um, necessarily go to a lot of theater or and just it was something that my mom heard about, a little community theater in Dallas, in Garland, Texas. Uh, and that's where it started. And I sort of started doing shows and uh, sports practices uh, were replaced by uh, rehearsals for musicals and plays. And I ended up going to the Arts Magnet High School in Dallas, Texas as a dancer um, and, uh, you know, strapped on my tights and my ballet shoes and, and learned, uh, learned some, some new skills that I hadn't, hadn't known before. And then, uh, Emerson college, uh, gave me some money for, uh, school there in Boston. And, uh, that's sort of where I met, you know, a lot of the, the most influential people in my life and a professor in, in school who helped me sort of see, um, navigate, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the, 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 the ideas and, 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 and sort of skills that, that I would need to, to move into the, into New York city and, and into life and acting, which is, which is a, a tough life, you know, as an 18 year old kid or a 17 year old kid, you think, you know, whatever I can go, uh, conquer the world and, and, and never look back and, and, uh, got to New York city and realized that that's not really how it works. Uh, it's a, it's a little more difficult than that. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, um, pound of the pavement, as they say, a uh, couple of acting jobs, a lot of restaurant jobs, uh, some late manual labor jobs, um, uh, installing, you know, electrical wiring for major events in New York City in between Broadway shows. Uh, and um, that was when I was 20, uh, all the way up until um, my 39th year of life when uh, Alexander Hamilton came into uh, re reality, the show came into into everyone's consciousness. And uh, somewhere around there, they asked me to be the guy. And I said, yes. And here we are, you know, four and a half years later, five years later, and I'll be opening the show on Broadway in September of 2021 here. So um, it's been quite uh, a journey from, you know, Dallas, Texas and the community theater where we started. Wow, Miguel, I tell you, I'm really impressed by the fact that right after college, you just uh, decided to jump into the deep end of the pool and go right into New York and that sort of thing. Aside from the obvious need for the talent that you had in the performing arts, you know, what, what sort of skills did you find essential in building your career? Your career? I mean, I'm not particularly uh, interested so much in the, career, the skills of manual labor and and, and wait, sir. But what kind of skills did you really need to to develop the connections and and break into the into, into the show business? Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting job because um, uh, the I, you know I don't know much about other industries or other sort of career fields, um, but you know the 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 end goal of being an actor or being a performer is, you know, so as a kid, you know, you can say, I would love to be on Broadway. And I knew a lot of people on Broadway when I moved to New York City and, and, and found out, I thought, oh, that's, that's unbelievable. I can't believe you're on Broadway. So you're, you're, you're rich, you've made it, you're successful, you, you're, you're, and um, then I got to be on Broadway a few, a few years later. And I realized that it, it, that, that wasn't exactly how it was. That wasn't exactly the um, the end of the road as uh, the, the, the end game. Um, getting to Broadway was a step in the right direction or a step in your career, in your work. Um, but then there's the, any show on Broadway can close and any show can, can, can come to its end. And then after that, there's no one who's waiting at the end of that to say, oh, here's your next Broadway show or here's your next job. Here is So the skills necessary to um, be successful as an actor are very much about um, understanding the limitations of the business and that um, the rejection of your talent, the rejection of you uh, is a part of this business. Auditioning is the worst part of the business. You go into these rooms and, and people, um, people judge you for the five, Two to, two to five minutes that they see you. Um, auditioning is a skill, learning how to present yourself in those two to five minutes uh, to the best of your ability, to put the best version of yourself forward and understanding that no, I tell this to a lot of young people uh, that you know, no in this business doesn't, doesn't mean um, uh, that you're not talented or that you're not good enough. It means that this, this uh, job was not necessarily the right one for you. This is not, this was not the time. This was not your opportunity. That is to say, if you, um, auditioning skills are, are, uh, fine tuned and you go into every single room, 
uh, ready and prepared and as 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 sharp as you possibly can be. And then you can say that you did everything you can. Um, a lot of times as a young performer, I didn't have those skills finely tuned. And I would go into rooms and, and just sort of assume that I could wing it or I could assume that I would just um, slide by. And it, it wasn't that wasn't how it worked. And I found not a lot of success as a young person. So, you know, learning those um, ideas along the way um, are very important in, in this job is to sort of um, working on yourself, working on the, the different aspects of it, you know, whether it's your voice, your, your body, your talent, and then the business side of it is, you know, selling yourself, making sure that you are, uh, w when you meet people, people remember you because of your, um, you know, personality and your, the way that you treat other people. And all, all of those things are all sort of intertwined in this business. And I think, um, you know, I don't necessarily say that I'm more talented than any other person walking down the street. There are plenty of people who are unbelievably talented that haven't gotten the opportunities that I have. Um, I just always say that my goal is to make the most of these opportunities and to um, honor them with my you know, hard work and dedication and working on the craft and co continuous, continuously um, you know, working to improve myself, even in Hamilton, where I've done over 12, 1250 performances, I am continually trying to um, better that performance and not just rest on on what has happened before. And that's a skill also, you know, to make sure that you're sort of constantly in reevaluation mode and, and, and working on that. So and, and, and learning new things along the way as well and being open to those new skills as they come along. You know, it sounds like it's a combination of uh, a very specialized application of the communication skill in terms of selling yourself as a performer in a particular role, as well as, as you say, perseverance, because you're a, a word that you often hear is no. Now, uh, Miguel, what were the key events that led you to be selected for the lead in Hamilton for the Chicago performance? Um, well, I mean, the, the, uh, the opportunity came across my, um, it came my way and, uh, you know, the, 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 like I said before, the, it's not so much that, you know, a lot of people said to me, wow, you know, you really deserve this, you know, someone who's worked so hard, you deserve this. And, so could, and I, and I disagree with that. Not that I don't deserve it. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Um, what it, what it is, is that there's a lot of people, like I said, who've worked very, very, very hard that don't find that opportunity, you know, but here I am 20 years, 20, 20 plus years after coming to New York the first time. And it was the right thing at the right time. You know, I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't know Lin-Manuel Miranda personally. I knew him sort of, I'd met him a couple times in different scenarios we had mutual friends and I wasn't able to get into In the Heights, which was his first performance production um, on Broadway. It was never something that that um, that I could break into. So I never thought that Hamilton was going to be anything different than that. Um, and and I was given the call and I went in there and auditioned and they seemed to like what I was I was doing for this one. And uh, that that's kind of the process. You know, you go into these rooms hoping that whatever you're doing, that they see something in you that sparks their interest about this character or 
um, about you personally that they like. Um, and that's that's what happened. I, it was one audition that I was called for. And now this, now I will say this, understanding that a year prior to this, they had, I had auditioned before, you know, long running shows, Wicked, Lion King, Jersey Boys, all of these things. You can audition for these shows and you people have, do audition for these shows for years and years and years and years and years. And I've heard stories of people who auditioned for the Lion King 10 years ago, wow. 12 years ago, and they didn't get the job. And 10, 12 years later, they did. Wow. So that's kind of how these things go. And so I auditioned for Hamilton earlier with no response, no real interest, no real uh, thought that, and, and so I thought, well, that, that, that's how that goes. And so it comes back around. Now it's for the Chicago production and, and, and the Broadway understudy and or. Yeah. Well, you landed in Chicago on your feet and you really, really made a name for yourself in this city. That's for sure. Yeah. Love what you were doing. And while you were in Chicago, and I think the form, the, wasn't it on for four years in Chicago? Uh, just under four years. Yeah. Three and a half years. Yeah. And while you were in Chicago, uh, both you and your and your wife Kelly uh, created uh, some programs and efforts to develop awareness of and support for research into the causes and treatment for epilepsy. You know, aside from, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? And and aside from the performing arts skills, what sort of skills were essential for you to to uh, pursue your quest for? productive research in, into that dreaded disease. Uh, yeah, you know, I, as um, as Hamilton was happening in Chicago and my daughter was um, diagnosed um, with a more and more severe case of epilepsy and, 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 and her sort of diagnosis was coming uh, clearer to, to what, what, was, what, what, was, what was the reality of her situation. Kelly and I and my wife, uh, you know, we, we found ourselves in this really unique position to um, to use the Hamilton brand and the you know the sort of soapbox that, that it was given us and, and the the recognition to you know focus some attention on uh, epilepsy and you know it just so happened you know that Cure Epilepsy um, the organization that Susan and David Axelrod started um, for their child uh, many years ago is based in Chicago. So it was this sort of very fortunate um, coincidence, if you want to call it that, or, or some other some other reason that we were here um, or, there, or there in Chicago. And so we decided to make our um, focus to, you know, use this platform to just draw some attention, draw some eyes to the work that Cure does because we um, were looking for that type of help as well and you know it doesn't just come out of nowhere and so someone has to do the work to go find it and so we decided to um you know make ourselves public make our story public um willing to 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 speak openly about our daughter and her illness and, and her situation and how that affected us and and use that as as a as motivation and you know enable and it, to be able to do that you're you you know, there's there's lots of different ways to 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 be to do that. There's people who work behind the scenes who are focused on, on fundraising and 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 drawing attention and marketing or mark, you know, whatever uh, the, these companies need. And then there's the people in the front front who stand in front of a camera and in front of people and say, hey, we need your help. Here's how we do it. Here's what we need. And so 
those kinds of things, you know, being in front of people talking and, and telling stories, even though this is the story about my family was something that I was comfortable with. And my wife used to be a performer as well. And she was comfortable um, getting in front of people and, and speaking as well. So clearly, uh, being able to, um, you know, talk from the heart and, and be able to be genuine and truthful about um, this a cause, whatever cause it might be, is, is something important as far as like advocacy and and fundraising for, for nonprofits and stuff like that, uh, which we've learned a lot about in, in the last <laughs> four and a half years, uh, raising money and nonprofits and, and, the, and the amazing work that all the lots of people, lots of different organizations do for lots of different reasons and lots of different um, causes. Uh, so for us, you know, we had to become good at um, asking for money, uh, which is which is a skill in and of itself. It certainly um, is. And and um, you know, cr uh, storytelling, uh, telling our own story, and 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 being able to, um, and, and you know, another this I guess is kind of true in, in lots of different industries where you kind of tell the same story over and over again yeah. in different ways. And that is something that is um, um, necessary in my job. I tell the same story every night, and then we find ourselves in interviews and, and, and different events and stuff, telling the same kind of story and being able to, you know, create the emotion and the the truth in it, even after you've said it, you know, ten, twenty, thirty times. Yeah. Well, it certainly you certainly uh, earned the respect and admiration for a lot of people in Chicago for your your marketing, your passion for a, for a very, very worthy cause that touched you and your wife Kelly's heart uh, to the core. Uh, changing the subject a little bit, um, you also became an avid golfer. Uh, I didn't know that. Tell us about how that came about and how your co-star, Andrew Call, created the, what is it, what is the shoe caddy? The shoe caddy, the shoe caddy. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, I, I enjoy my job. I enjoy Hamilton um, a lot. It's it's a great job. It's a great life that it's afforded me. But people ask me about the shoe caddy all of a sudden, and I get all animated and I get super excited about talking about it because um, um, the, the the history of the story of it, the backstory is that I started playing golf. I was I played a little bit of golf as a young person, but a kid never really took it seriously. It was more of a beer drinking excuse than anything else. Um, and then I got to, to Chicago and Andrew, who played King George, uh, it was a buddy of mine from New York. We did a couple we did a couple shows in New York City together and uh, said, hey, let's go play some golf. And I, I didn't really I was eh, sure we can play some golf. And I was just hooked. I was immediately hooked on the game and, and, the, and the pursuit, the pursuit of, of a better score and better, uh, better being a better golfer. And um, you can ask my wife, though, I am very irresponsible with my stuff i'm constantly looking for my keys and my wallet and my sunglasses i never can keep track of that stuff so in golf there are lots of little little doodads and doohickeys the tees and ball markers and divot tools that are part of the game that you use in various times and and i would always never have them i could never find them i would get them before the thing and lose them after during it i'm so anxiety just terrible um side note i've started carrying a man satchel and it's really changed my life. I advocate for the man bag, the uh, man to, keep bag. My to keep my wallet and my keys and, and stuff in there. Oh, it's changed my life. But in the same vein, I created, I, I, I was you know, doing laundry and there was crap everywhere, golf stuff. And I said, you know, there's gotta be a way to keep this stuff centralized. So I went on Google, didn't exist. 
drew it on a napkin, took it to the theater, uh, asked the costume folks to make it out of a hair clip and some fabric. And flash forward two and a half years, we have a website, we have manufacturing overseas, we are dealing uh, with uh, Japan and South Korea and, and selling these little products. That's a little clip that clips on your shoelaces or your belt. It holds your divot tool, tees, and ball marker all in one place. And uh, it's my little company. So, you know, I, I've always, in, in the acting biz, I always think of it as, as like sort of when the next thing comes. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not really so much about, or even how I think of it, it's not, you know, if I move on to something else, whether it's writing, teaching, directing, whatever it is, yeah. it's sort of when. So my when was during Hamilton. And I said, well, let me see if I can start this little company and see if it can take off. And so I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to figure out how running a company online and e-commerce and all of these things work and marketing and, and, and all these all these different aspects of the business. I'm learning, but I have a little product that's out in the world and people like it. And, and shoecaddy.com, S-H-U-C-A-D-D-Y, S-H-U-C-A-D-D-Y.com. Check it out. S-H-U-C-A-D-D-Y.com. That's, that's it. Best shoe caddy money can buy. Amen. Hey, you know, after four years in Chicago, everything, all good stories have to come to an end and that sort of thing. And the Chicago performance of Hamilton came to a close. So what did you do and how, and how did the uh, lead selection for becoming the lead in the New York uh, production come about? You know, I, uh, um, the, the timing of all of it is very weird, um, how these things work, you know. Uh, they decided to close Hamilton uh, in Chicago in the summer, uh, and they told us we were going to close in January. And I said, okay, well, what's happening? What's what's going to happen? Is there a spot? Have they made plans? And then I heard nothing. And uh, sometime in the in the early fall, September or so, I was told that there was not a job. There was not a role. There was not an opening anywhere um, for me. Uh, and so, you know, it's tough to tough to sort of to take when I've been the guy for, you know, almost four years. And now they're like, well, there's just everyone's everyone's in the job. Or we can't. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that goes. And so I was preparing myself to stay in Chicago for a little while, just kind of see what what was happening. Um, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't really know what the plan would be. And that's like I said earlier, there's no real path immediately after a show just doesn't automatically happen there's got you've got to figure some stuff out um and then around october i got a phone call sort of randomly from the producer and the director and they were together on the phone so i kind of figured it was something something important and they said hey you know um we want you to go to broadway and i was like i said well yeah sure you know i, I don't understand why didn't you ask me this a month ago and it just turned out that the guy playing hamilton on broadway was cast in another show on broadway and decided to leave this show to go to the next one and so he decided to leave and they called me immediately and that's just the the luck of the draw if they will you know i was i was on the list to take over um but there was there was no schedule until there was and and then so i actually knew um, going into the closing of Chicago that I would start on Broadway later in the spring. Um, so I took a six weeks off and figured out uh, living situations and scheduling with my family to make sure that um, we would, we would uh, you know, have everything 
taken care of and and off I went to New York to start on Broadway in this in March <laughs> March 3rd of 2020 was my March first March 3rd of 2020 well I can tell you Miguel the people in New York based on what you did in Chicago the people in New York are in for a treat with you and uh, uh, and the lead role in that thing so March 2020 you getting ready to open in um, on Hamilton and so forth in New York, but then something called COVID nineteen came. Along. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell me about that. What did you? What happened when that came along, and what did you do in, during the pandemic uh, between then and now? Uh, you know, I I uh, started on the third, which was a Tuesday, and uh, ten performances later, a week and a half, a week and a day, Wednesday afternoon, um, as or Wednesday evening, as we were. Uh, in the middle of the second act uh, of the show, uh, we all came off stage and realized that something was amiss as they were, everyone was looking at their phones uh, and COVID had started, you know, peeking its ugly head in New York City. Yeah. Uh, it's a couple of the theaters were, were, were talking about different um, breakouts and the ushers and the cast and stuff. And, uh, and then they said, oh, well, Tom Hanks got, got the Rona. Really? Oh no, not Tom Hanks. If Tom Hanks gets it, then that means we're all done. So, uh, sure enough, they they shut it down that night uh, after the show. They said we're not going to come back for a couple of weeks. We're going to figure this whole thing out, and that was uh, now a year and a half ago. Um, it was a long two weeks, wasn't it? it was a long two weeks. Yeah, I, I always tell people I hope I didn't leave a sandwich uh, <laughs> in my dressing room. For all I know, I haven't been in that room in, in over you know in the whole time. So. Um, you know, we I made plans to come back to Chicago and, and hang out with my family and, and sort of waited out there and, you know, things progressed like we all know they did. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that, uh, you know, talking about skills, you know, things that I, I had never, you know, really understood or never thought about wanting to learn about or, or knowing I should. Um, but but uh, what I'm talking about is is during the pandemic, what ended up happening for a lot of us performers was we started doing lots of per appearances and performances in this medium, you know, in this sort of Zoom uh, um, digital world. So we do these sort of online appearances, online performances. And, you know, it started off for me anyway, really rough because I didn't have sound equipment. I didn't have lighting equipment, really. I didn't really have a lot of gear. That, that I was really, you know, set up to do all this stuff. And then um, over the course of the pandemic, as we're all sort of really hunkered down, I got some microphone equipment and some sound equipment and, and this, that, and the other thing, all of a sudden, I've learned some new skills of how to, how to, um, to, to master some, to, to do some recording on my computer and set up my lighting gear and all my rig to make sure to, to get to get good quality sound and good quality video for these performances. And so I found myself uh, doing, you know, concerts um, for different organizations, different, uh, you know, personal uh, appearances uh, for meetings and core and, 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 you know, in, in a weird way, it was kind of nice to connect with people, though it was through a screen, yeah. uh, there did seem to be a little bit of an intimacy uh, that, you know, their faces are right, right here next to each other. Because uh, on stage, even though we're all in the same room, I can't really see everyone. Everyone's sort of out in, in the in the blackness down, the the darkness out in the in the uh, in the theater. But here, it's like you know, a bunch of people on a computer screen, and we can all just say hello and chat and talk. 
So we definitely learned some new, um, you know, uh, uh, ideas about performance and, 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 you know, connection to other people and, 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 and the value of that, uh, even if it's in a different sort of medium. And so it was kind of, kind of a nice, it's not going to replace it. I'm not going to miss it by any chance. I don't know, but, but some sort of outcome of this may be that there's more of this digital online appearances and, and that, that still stays, um, um, as part of the, as part of the culture, you know, as part of, of what we do. So it might be kind of nice, but yeah, there might um, be some sort of, uh, with all this time that we had, there might be some sort of gift in it, uh, that you can take advantage of. It. Well, yeah, there's not, there's not any, any question that, um, despite all of the tragedy that has gone through, um, you know, our, our, the world, um, there are small nuggets of, 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 you know, silver lining, in different ways, you know, there's, there's, uh, especially in our business. Um, and I think it's probably true in a lot of businesses where you get lost and, and caught up in the, in the, in the, in the running of, of, of running around and, 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 and working of it. And we were all forced to take a step back and spend some time with ourselves and with our families and, and at home. And, um, you know, you sort of are forced to sort of sit and see how important that time is, yeah. you know, and, and, and making and learning something about yourself and learning that it is important to make the most of those moments yeah. because, um, they're not always going to be there. And, and we were given forced into this, you know, recognition of the importance of time. Yeah. And, uh, so that's something that hopefully we can take with us that, that skill uh, <laughs> to, to really make the, you know, really value those, those moments that we have, uh, in the future. Well, you mentioned the word nuggets. Um, you know, uh, let's just suppose now that you uh, are back in Dallas and you're giving a high school graduation address at the Booker T. Washington High School and uh, for the performing arts. Uh, what would be the three or four golden nuggets of advice you would give to these graduates based on your 20 some years of experience, 25 almost years of experience since leaving that, that school? Um, that's a great question. I, 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 I think about this a lot and I've, I've said these things, uh, quite a few times to different groups. You know, I think the first one that I would say to young people is that, um, that no matter what stage of life you're at, that the learning, the learning process, the learning stage is not over. You know, I think you get to the end of high school and you think, wow, this is great. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm here, I've arrived at this point. And I know what I need to know, uh, and that is sorely, sorely mistaken. That's definitely not the truth. Um, and you take what you know, and then take it into the next, um, you know, the, the next leg of this journey, and take in the next knowledge and how that affects what you know before, and how it changes what you know. And I think that's so important for, especially us, as you know, um, as uh, you know, emotional and and uh, uh, sort of uh, sometimes fragile egos of the performer can be uh, to understand that that it is it, there's always someone better than you there is always someone who knows more and is always someone who who you can learn from and I think that's an important thing to know going into um, into this business into this world um, and then so that's the first one and the second one is that um, and this is something that I, I 
it's hard to understand um, as a young person, but opportunity in this business is not on anyone's schedule. Certainly not on your schedule. Um, not on the schedule that you have for yourself. Um, you know, I was started in Hamilton in Chicago and as a 40 year old person. And there were people in the show um, who were not just barely in their 20s, you know, and we were all on the same level of success. We were all on the same level of, of, of notoriety in this show, in this unbelievable show. And you have to understand that, that that person's schedule, that person's opportunity came at their schedule and yours came, mine came at mine. And so to think, oh, I can't believe I didn't get those opportunities when I was 21 years old, you know, well, that that's just how this works. And it has not, and it's not a, um, it's not up to you. The only thing that is up to you, and this is the third one, is the only thing that is up to you is that when opportunity comes, when something comes across in front of you, that your only, you know, your only tools, your only weapons to, to go into this battle uh, for, you know, theater glory is, is, is the, is the, is the work that you do on yourself yeah. and, and making your, yourself the best version of you that you possibly can at any moment, at any time, in any room for any project, you go in there with the best, best version. And that's all you can do. And that way, when people say no, you know, it doesn't fracture, it doesn't, you know, shatter your ego because you know that you've done everything you can. Yeah. And if you didn't do anything you can, then it was your fault. <laughs> if you didn't do it, then that was the, it is, it is your fault and you should have done better. Um, but if you did, if you prepared and you were ready and I'm not talking about messing up, messing up, that's always tell kids to listen, it's not about messing up, messing up, making mistakes. That's part of preparation. That's part of it. If you're prepared, then you're able to overcome the flubs and the mistakes easier. Um, but but that and that's your only that's your only shield that's your only that's your only guard against against the terrible terrible uh, you know oppressive feeling of auditions and, and the industry and the world and if you can master that and understand that no does not mean you're bad no just means not right now then you're going to be able to um, you're going to be able to go far oh and the final one okay the final one just one quick one is that the definition of success is also different for everyone. Yeah. And success for me happens to be that I get to be Hamilton on Broadway, but success for someone else or anyone in, that who's listening can be some other version. And it may not be Broadway. It may not be the, you know, the highest, it may be something else, yeah. but you have to, you have to allow that definition to be something personal to yourself. Well, that's absolutely wonderful advice that you would have given to these uh, young people. And that complements what you said earlier about two uh, very important skills are the ability to communicate, you know, yourself and sell yourself in auditions and that sort of stuff. And per perseverance, being able to stay in there even when nine times out of 10, you're going to be told no and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, Miguel, in closing, I'm wondering if you can, uh, I want to, I want to, uh, reiterate and re our listeners uh, be able to get in touch with uh, the shoe caddy that's uh, s-h-u-c-a-d-d-y.com that's yes. where they can go and get this product that sort of thing and then uh, your other passion you're you and kelly's other passion of supporting efforts for uh, research into the cure for epilepsy how does one how can one uh, uh, support that that effort 
uh, to well, two different ways that um, I have to say is cureepilepsy.org is their, is their website to find out more about what they do, their goals or missions, the, pro the, the, the projects that they're working on. Um, they focus mostly on uh, research and, and medicines and treatments. So if you want to know more about like the, you know, the nitty gritty of, of the epilepsy community and what they're trying to get done. That's um, epilepsy.org epilepsy okay. um, is their, is their website. But the other one, the more important one is kellycervantes.com. Ah. kellycervantes.com. That is my wife's website. She uh, has become an amazing, amazing writer during this COVID time. Uh, she was, uh, uh, you know, documenting, um, uh, the last few years of Adelaide's illness and all the things that, that were going on in our lives. And um, she's really become a, a, a sort of um, a power, powerful advocate and, and warrior for the special needs, the d disabled community and, and, and the epilepsy community. So um, to learn more about sort of us as personally as the Cervantes family, uh, kellycervantes.com is, is she's actually gonna be the chairman, uh, the new, sorry, the chairperson of the board of cure epilepsy uh in this next year so uh she's she's sort of the the go-to to find out sort of what we're doing and, and our own personal efforts in this fight um and and uh, she's also writing a book so you gotta check that out too when it comes out keep me in mind I'll, I'll get the book miguel oh miguel i want to thank you so very much for uh, being our guest today on it's all about skills and i and i want to i i won't be the only one uh, who to, to wish you the absolute best of success when Hamilton reopens in the fall at September 14th, but that's sold out, but I understand there are tickets available for subsequent days. I, I, I would say give it a shot. Hopefully it'll be sold out for a good, good long time in the future. But yeah, it's, it's going to be quite, you know, we had a, a, an unbelievable ovation uh, when Chicago ended, when I came out for the last time, you know, for the Alexander Hamilton, um, and it was it was it was un breathtaking how the response from the city of Chicago for uh, for our company and for for me personally and all those things. And you don't really get those kinds of um, moments very often, yeah. especially not in a sh long running show. But here we are a year and a half later, going to reopen wow. Hamilton, reopen Broadway, reopen the world. And so we will get another of those moments. And I cannot, I can't, I mean, it's not, and that one's not just for me or for us or for Hamilton. It'll be for the industry at large. So it's going to be quite, quite, a, quite an amazing evening on the 14th. I think. Well, go for it, my friend. We're all with you. And, uh, and tell Kelly to go for it too, in her role to, uh, to, uh, to find a cure for and treatment and that sort of thing for, for epilepsy. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Charlie. As, um, as for me, I'm an internationally certified career coach and I specialize in career management, skill development, career crises, and positive intelligence. And you can get in touch with me through my website, charliejetcoaching.com. So I wanna thank you all for listening today and we'll see you next time as we discuss the critical skills on It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. 
We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.